welcome to St Ed's Line, the podcast from St Edmund's School, an independent day and boarding school in Canterbury for children aged 2 to 18. This is episode number one of the school's new podcast and we're so delighted to bring it to you. Now in this episode we're speaking to Edward O'Connor, the head, Howard Sykes, assistant director of drama and Mark Sell, director of drama. We're about to find out what makes the drama department at St Ed's different what performances and productions the students take part in, and we'll hear some backstage stories. But we'll also find out the ethos and ambitions of the drama department and just how proud the staff are of drama at St Edmunds. And we even get the chance to hear an extract from three recent productions at the end of this podcast episode, so stick around and make sure you don't miss that. But come with me now as we step into St Edmunds and the drama department as we speak to the head, Edward O'Connor, Howard Sykes and Mark Sell. Welcome to this, the first podcast for St Edmund's School, Canterbury. In these podcasts, we'll be getting to know the school and the people in it. I think there's no better person to start with than the head, Edward O'Connor, who joins me now. Hello. Hello, Tracy. Tell me more about St Edmund's, Canterbury. Well, St Edmund's, Canterbury is a small co-educational day and boarding school just on the edge of the city of Canterbury. We've been here since 1855. Prior to that, the school was actually founded in Yorkshire as the Clergy Orphan School back in 1749. But now we are a very diverse community. We have pupils from Canterbury in the local area, but also a really vibrant international boarding community of about 20 different nationalities. In terms of the school itself, um, we have a beautiful location, about 65 acres of of parkland and a reputation locally I would say for being particularly strong in the creative arts which we're going to hear a little bit more about later but also our pastoral care really is what we're, we're perhaps best known for. We have a pupil centric ethos and our aim is to adapt and support our pupils as best we can to enable them to reach their potential whether that's academically or creatively, in sport, in drama. We have the, the people and the resources to get them there. So that's us in a nutshell. I took a little peek at your school. It looks absolutely beautiful. Do you have a a favourite part of it? Oh, definitely. This is a little bit selfish, but I have the best view in the school, so I can see our fields at the front of the school, and I overlook the the city of of Canterbury itself. So in the morning, I can tell you exactly when my favourite view is. It's at sunrise every morning. Sometimes I'm in that early, and you see the sun coming up behind the cathedral over Canterbury. It's absolutely beautiful. We're very, very lucky. It looks like a school that there's a lot of space to breathe in. Absolutely. I think the combination of of space and the fact that in terms of pupil numbers, we're not a large school. So across the whole school community, there's about 600 pupils. And yes, absolutely. Room to breathe, room to grow, room to express yourself. And yeah, we're very lucky with our location. Now, I have to ask, why did you decide to do a podcast? That's a really interesting question. I've always thought that what makes a school different, what, what defines a school are not necessarily the grounds, although they're important, and the reputation, the history of the school, but actually the day-to-day stories, the day-to-day interactions between pupils, and importantly between pupils and teachers. And podcasts seem to be a a natural way of telling those stories, of getting to know the the defining characters of of St Edmunds and really understanding who we are and what we're about. And we shall endeavour to do more and more of that. So the first department we're going to explore is the drama department. And I'm delighted to be joined by Mark Sell, who is the director of drama, and by Howard Sykes, who's the assistant head of drama. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. So you have a drama department whose excellent reputation is well known. What makes you different? We're a family. 
We literally are a family because the assistant director of drama, Howard, sitting next to me, is my husband. And so we've been together for 35 years, so we're pretty much a family, but also other members of the department are, are colleagues that we've worked with in the industry. So we're a very tight unit, and that family unit, we can be very creative together, and, and that sort of that tightness and that closeness, that bond, really helps lay the foundations of what I think makes a good department and a different department. We are different, I guess, because we we try to involve the pupils in that family kind of ethos and work ethic. The pupils are always with us. They're part of, we call it, we call us, refer to ourselves as the, the drama family. And so we have a really sort of loving, nurturing, caring atmosphere. But like all families, we will also insist that we work hard to achieve what we, we want to achieve. We aim high and we have to work hard to get there. So a lot of the love and the care and the support that we give our kids, and they give us too, actually, comes with the caveat that that's all great, but we've got to work really hard to make sure that we achieve uh, and realise our ambitions. Mark, I don't want to make Howard blush as he's sitting right next to you, but can you just give me some of the background of, of some of the, the people who teach in your department? Sure, I'm really proud of that. So we are, we're, we're actually from, we have a theatrical background. We're from the industry, so both Howard and I were actors for a very long time. Howard was an actor, a very good one, I have to say. I actually met him on the stage, so I went to see a show and I was knocked out by his performance and I thought, oh yeah. So it was impressive. But he eventually sort of to, to become more interested in physicality of, of, of actors and, and how actors should present themselves on stage. And he started training in the Alexander Technique and he, he rose up those ranks very, very quickly. And he soon started teaching uh, Arts Ed, which is a drama school in London, but eventually he, he taught at RADA for uh, 12 years. So we have a sort of a, a background from working within the theatre. I too was an actor for 25 years, and even when I became a teacher in my early 40s in mainstream education, I was still taking a secondment every now and then to go and work, which kindly my heads allowed me to do because they just thought it was, it was good for my, my own development as a, as a teacher as well. As long as I, I keep knowing what's going on in the theatre, especially technically, it's going to ultimately make me a better practitioner. So I was an actor... I, the last thing I did was four years ago I stopped. So, yeah, so my background is in theatre. And I worked in theatre sort of pretty much... I had a consistent sort of... I did commercial theatre, really, for 25 years. And our choreographer, Lisa Jane Gordon, was a, a dancer back in the day and is a choreographer and now a producer. She runs her own commercial pantomime company and is a, is a fabulous professional choreographer. So we sort of get all of that... And then we also have a very young staff as well that are working backstage and in administration and they're, they're young and they're vibrant and they sort of keep everything, they keep us relevant and they keep us fresh. They don't allow us to get a bit old. So, yeah, I think that's what makes us different. So, Howard, we talked about the ethos being a sort of family ethos. It's also hard work. Is there anything else that, you, that comes across as part of the ethos of your department? I think because there's a very caring attitude and they enjoy coming and hanging around in the department, they feel safe in the department and they begin to trust us both professionally and personally. We have a very close relationship with those pupils and they do, they, they 
trust us because we were professional actors, but they, they trust us as people. And that, I think that that then allows us to help them break through barriers, to push them a little bit more, because they know it's coming from a good place in us, from a, from a place of caring. That, that allows them to go further than, than we or they would probably expect. If they buy into what you offer, if they trust you, they're going to let go. They're going to open up. Sometimes you're going to, if they're playing something that's very personal to them, and they're talking about all sorts of, 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 of joy, of loss, of anything, if they are trusting of us, they will open up and then you can get something really magical happening on stage because you get honesty and you get truth and you kind of get innocence. And when that's seen by an audience and they're aware that these pupils are opening up, it's, it's fantastic. People, are, Young people, we always say, oh, we can be professional, but there are professionally, professional young people all over the world and they're, they're working in the industry at the very, very top of their game. And I always think, well, if other young people can be that good, why can't our kids be that good? And of course they can. The pupils understand that we have, um, our expectations are high. They see the productions that come out from the drama department. Uh, so they see what we're expecting and they raise their game, I think, to meet those expectations. And we look to, to push everyone if we can or to encourage them to push their own boundaries further than they thought that they would, really, or that they ever could. And so we, we, we end up surprising ourselves with what they do, and they keep us on our feet. And sometimes, you know, when you start breaking boundaries, just how far can someone go? There is sort of, sort of no end to that. And that's exciting, and that's... When you see some potential, and you see someone beginning to fulfil that potential, you think, yes. And you want more of it. So aiming high. And of course for that you, you work hard and they understand that and they enjoy that. But they I, enjoy I think hard. also part of our ethos is really creating a nurturing environment. It is important that yeah we work hard, we aim high and we have to have the skills to get there. I think a lot of people aim high but we've got to have the tools and the skills to, 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 to get where we want. But that kind of that love and that support of each other and the kids particularly is really important. And I think they realise that, that the expectations come from a place of caring, of wanting to be the very best that they can be, rather than something for us. It's for them to stretch them, and we, we desperately want them to do the very best that they can. So there's a lot of care that they feel from us mm. and around the department. It's, it, it's, drama's good for so many, so many reasons. Just, you know, it builds confidence, it's good for communication, it's good for social skills, and that's really important, and that can really make a difference in young people's lives. But our ethos, and thinking about the other question, what makes us different, is that we, I think it's because of our backgrounds, we really push technique, theatrical technique. You know, it's not just about teamwork and, and all of that stuff. It's part, that's just part of the payoff you get from it. It's about knowing what to do with your voice, knowing what to do with your physicality, and just taking our own background of, uh, of our own drama school training and everything like that. It is about knowing how to present yourself on stage, how to present yourself vocally, and how to sort of inhabit the character. If you've got the technique 
and then you add on the art, then there is no limit to what you can achieve. Their input is actually more important than ours. And a lot of the time, the things that we create are have that them at the centre of it. So we don't say, oh, we want to do this, we fancy doing this. We look at the people that we've got and we create something around them. A lot of the things that we do sort of have a St Edmunds feel to it. They're, yeah, they very much feel like they're pupil-led, created with and by and for a particular group of pupils. Usually, as many as we can. I think one of the strengths of, of our department is there is no house style. So you're not going to get year after year the same type of production. We're sort of open to any genre and any theatrical style. So as long as we're sort of, we work with our cohort, I think we don't, we don't always just go for a, a, a great play or a book musical. If we look at the cohort that we've got, we will create that drama for them. So we will write the pieces. Howard is a terrific playwright and will write for the children. So it kind of, you can really, really have some great fits there. You can buy a script, you think, oh no, we don't have that actor to play that part. So we, we, we create those parts. And so that really makes a big, big difference into how we present our work. It's kind of tailor-made for us as a school. And we do absolutely have our own flavour. I don't think it's emulated anywhere else. I was going to ask you, there are, there are some pupils, students who are naturals. There are some who are going to be looking to follow that as a career. But there are some that are going to blossom quite slowly and perhaps be very reticent. How do you encourage those kind of pupils? Well, I think that if we go back to looking at what drama should be about, drama is for everyone, right? It's not just for about your super talented kid or your super confident kid. It's also about for kids that are not so confident. So... If you just protect them and nurture them and let them thrive in a loving environment and teach them slowly about technique, if you allow them the vehicle within your own lesson planning to just blossom, you put them in the right group, you encourage them, you're always giving them support, always giving them love and support, anyone can flourish. And we celebrate year on year terrific results at A-level and GCSE. But some of the moments where, that have brought tears to my eyes is that that kid that you never ever expected could pass a GCSE actually gets a C. So amongst, it's not often that we get Cs, I proudly say, but sometimes those Cs are even better than the A-stars. And it's just about nurture, it's about encouraging belief, and it's about kindness. Meeting them wherever they are, so you're taking... Everyone, whatever level they start at, you're taking them further, probably than they ever thought or believed possible. You have to put in the time. You can't expect this to just happen overnight. And you have to make sure that you're, you put in enough hours to rehearse because these things do not happen quickly. Great performances from anybody take a lot of work and a lot of time and hours in the rehearsal room until you get it. So if they see that you're prepared to work with them, they, they will rise to that and they will, they will achieve things that they didn't ever believe they could. It's lovely to see that happen, I have to say. Obviously, there are certain qualifications people have to get, GCSEs and, and A-levels. So how do you go about measuring excellence? How, how do you know that you're achieving those criteria, as it were? Well, there, there's a mark scheme. So you will pour over the mark scheme and see what the kids need to achieve to get to those grades. 
But again, if you're making sure you tick the boxes to keep the examiners happy, if you just, whatever product you're doing, if you're keeping your standards high and you're aiming high, you can just see as it's developing, they're meeting all of that, all of that criteria. So you can, you can measure it that way in rehearsal or in the, in the very early days of, of brainstorming. And, and, and the, 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 the specs, the exam specs, are, they're, so, they're very broad. So if you're teaching the right practitioners, and not just the old practitioners like Arto and Stanislavski and, and all of those, but really new ones, like we're, we're, we're really big in this school to teaching the, the, the workings of Nehi Theatre Company or Frantic Assembly, and now we're working towards the, the really exciting choreographer out there called Crystal Pite. So if you're just looking out what's out, in the, out there at the moment, you can bring that into the classroom and the kids will respond to that. And if you work towards that, following all the, all the, the mark schemes, you can, you can achieve, we always achieve actually, marks at the very top of the highest band for both GCSE and A-level in our practical work. For me, excellence is also measured by that kid who got the C. And, and also the reputation of the school. And it's lovely to be at parties. I've been at parties where they didn't know that we were the, the drama team at St Edmunds and you can hear people talking about the drama at St Edmunds. So I think that's a pretty good measure if, if, if people in the community are talking about it and external children coming for our scholarship programme and they're coming here because they've heard of the reputation. So we measure it like that. But also, really, I like to put on productions that are every bit as good as the very best out there. So we aim as high as the National Youth Theatre, why not? So Howard, if you could just tell us a little bit more about your, your favourite performances and productions that you've done. Well, my favourite performance? Uh, I think it, one of them is definitely uh, the first one that I did when I arrived, which was a very, very, very abridged version of Henry V, which we did as part of the uh, school Shakespeare Festival of the Gulbenkian. And we managed to cram Henry V into 13 minutes. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was wonderful. It was the first time I met the pupils. They, they were all playing soldiers. They were multi-rolling and they were all playing soldiers. And it, was, it felt like they were sort of real cadets going through some kind of drill training. It was sort of choreographically. And to, to make them work for, it seems, a very short amount of time, but to make that work, the, the ensemble had to be incredibly tight. It was, they, it was like they had been literally, you know, they, they'd been through army training to do it. Everything was spot on. There was a lot of choral verse used, so it was told very much. They were storytellers. And they were all playing their part within that story. And of course, they all had to play the same game. You can't suddenly, when it's so short, you can't have someone suddenly dropping down or the energy sags. So they really have to work hard to keep that ball up in the air. And it was maybe because of the, 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 the length of it, you know, it was really quick. It was a, it was a great sort of first punch. And I loved that. Mark, do you have any that come to mind for your productions? Yeah, all of them, all of them. <laughs> so, no, they're, really, no, seriously, I, I have enjoyed all of them, actually, because they all have such different flavours over the years. But I'm particularly proud of... We, we did Chicago uh, just before the pandemic, and it was very good. Yeah, we, we, all the, we used Fosse's choreography, and it was a sterling cast, and we had a wonderful, wonderful set, a huge scaffolding built over the entire theatre and and we sort of did it in a Brechtian style which the modern 
production of Chicago sort of inhabits really. So we sort of, you know, it, it was just pared down, if you like. I mean, it was glitzy in terms of all its, all the technical workings. Uh, we had a wonderful orchestra on stage, on the scaffolding, but the quality of dancing that was achieved was sensational. And it sort of, the head always used to say, it sent shockwaves across this part of Kent. And, it, and I think it did. People spoke about it for a, a lot everywhere. It was just a very high standard. I was also particularly proud of, we did a, a version in, on a traverse stage of Animal Farm. And we, we turned an area of our theatre, we have like, if you like, it's a bit like, we call it the well, but if you like, it's like a pit. But we turned it into a farmyard with hundreds of tonnes of, of mud was carted into the theatre. It was literally a foot deep in, in mud with the audience either side on the Traverse stage. And it was wonderful. And all the, 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 the masks and everything, that we used all these wonderful prosthetic noses and stuff. And it just looked terrific. It looked very, very professional. That's the, one of the other things I, I should have said earlier. What makes us different? We have the most incredible backstage creative team. They just, they, they, they produce work that wouldn't be out of place in any regional theatre around the country. It is it's remarkable on what, what they achieve. And that was def, that was their first gig together, and it just looked terrific. And the kids, I mean, it was astonishing, really. I mean, the animal studies they did, this is just not don't turn up and grunt like a pig and, and walk on your all fours. This was them studying in depth how animals move and and make noises and and we achieved some 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 a really high standard our productions which we do one major one a year but there are loads of little events that we do as well here there's there's again there's no formula we just see what we like but some of the the a level practical exams we've done have been absolutely stunning and they're always they're usually based on the work of a theatrical practitioner and because they tend to be slightly edgier, it's the, it's the pupil's content, they, they can be really, really, really interesting and push the boundaries. That's been wonderful. We also have our brilliant festival in the, at the end of the summer term where we have all manner of A-listers coming to perform here, but we, we can produce some wonderful things in our festival as well in the summer. And last year, again in the pandemic, so theatre was really being stifled, we created an outdoor theatre space. We have a, a huge pond lake, if you like, and we built a stage and everything on the banks of that. And that was per, for part of what would have been the festival. That was a wonderful achievement to sort of to do an outdoor version of A Midsummer Night's Dream because it just looked so magical. In fact, when the audience came into the clearing, I led them round to it, there were audible gasps from the audience because of the magic that we had created. It was like fairyland. So I, I'm particularly proud of that. It was a very steep learning curve as yeah. well for them to, to very quickly have to learn how to work outside, which is hugely demanding, vocally, physically. Yeah, that was yeah. one. But time in the Conways. Time in the Conways. For them to time. inhabit that world of J.B. Priestley's play. That was, was wonderful. They're but really tested by having to do, or being exposed to doing so many different things. The, this year, because of the pandemic, we just thought we had to come back with and put a smile on everyone's face. We did, we did two productions 
of uh, the pantomime version of Beauty and the Beast, which I directed professionally several times years ago. But Howard wrote uh, an up-to-date script for our cohort, and we did two productions. So we called one Beauty and the Beast and the other one Beauty and the Beast, The Infiltration, because what I did was I replaced half the cast of the main production with young children from the junior school. So they infiltrated the main production. So we did three productions of the main cast and then two of the infiltration. That was a wonderful experience for the audience who saw both. To see, it's like, imagine a show in the West End, half the cast are off sick and they're replaced by the understudies. That's what actually happened. But the learning there, not just for the little ones looking up to the, the, the older kids, the sixth formers usually, because they were replacing them, so they were learning loads and they were loving it. But the older kids were having to work with tiny kids for two of the performances and they were going to have to adjust and work in harmony with the, uh, the younger children. The learning there was through the roof and it was a wonderful experience. We had over 100 children taking part in our school. It's not a massive school. So it was an incredibly heartwarming production and it was also terrific. Sounds like an amazing, dynamic place to be. Do you have any little stories? There's always stories of backstage. There's always stories of something that might have gone slightly wrong. The play What Went Wrong. Do you have any little stories for us? I've got one for you, Tracy. It's kind of comedy story. The only time I've ever had to censor the drama department. When we were doing Animal Farm a few years ago, about two weeks before the production, Mark came to me and said, I've got, got this idea, I've got a vision for the production. And I said, okay, what's that? And he said, one word, manure. And I said, okay, um, where, where is this going? And his vision was to have manure in the well of the stage. So when people walked in, that he didn't just see and sense the farm experience but you actually smelt it and that's the only time I've had to intervene and censor the department I vetoed manure so we ended up with about 20 tons of topsoil instead however however let me just add to that I did you can buy spray cans of farmyard smells so before the audience entered I ran around spraying smells of animals <laughs> everywhere we go for authenticity at St Ed's you know so to Mark and to, to Howard, just tell me what's your ambition for the department? Howard first then. To continue to push boundaries, to, to bring on whoever comes our way as far as we can, to nurture them, to, to help them grow, to continue to work in different styles and not be, not to just lock on to, to one particular thing that we happen to be good at and repeat that, but to test ourselves and to, to push our own boundaries, not just those of the pupils, but to, to explore and experiment ourselves. Yeah, to keep on keeping on. Yeah, it's to, and yeah. But learning and growing. I think it's to keep fresh, to, to keep relevant, and to, to ensure that the creativity demonstrated across the entire school community from many departments is, is, is really out there and that we're, we're, we're changing things in the world of drama teaching to maintain and uphold the relationship with children from other schools possibly, but just to keep on growing, to keep on aiming high, to keep on building up our facilities, to keep ahead of the game technically because theatre changes. You know, theatre keeps changing all the time in terms, of, in terms of lighting, in terms of sound, in terms of, of projections and all sorts of things. And it's to make sure that we don't just become this little, we settle for what we do, that we keep looking ahead. And that 
is not easy when you're, you know, you're middle-aged, but when you have a young team around you that are telling you what's important, what's relevant, what matters to them, how the world is changing. And if we can keep young and fresh, I would, achieve, I would see that as an absolute achievement and a win-win. So Ed, we've heard from your department, it sounds like a very dynamic drama department. You must be very proud of it. Oh, enormously proud. And, uh, you know, I was listening really carefully to what, what the guys were saying there about the productions. And one of the things we, we talk about here, actually, is that in many ways, the, the production is the cherry on the cake. The real achievement of the department, the real excellence comes in the learning journey that precedes it. That's what I'm most proud of in terms of the drama department. And I, I see that as, as someone who goes and attends rehearsals and watches from time to time but also as a parent whose daughters are both involved in drama at the school but that for me is really what makes us different it's the quality of that learning experience that inevitably produces a great production at the end of it but actually if the production didn't happen for some reason the the quality of the learning and the experience and the growth that the children have had beforehand is what really matters that's what we're about perfect thank you very much indeed it's been uh, wonderful to talk to you all today thank you tracy Now, before you go, we have a special treat for you with extracts from three recent productions so you can hear just what a real performance at school sounds like. Take a listen to enjoy a short extract from Oliver, Chicago and from A Midsummer Night's Dream. So that was a selection of three recent performances. And before that, we were joined by the head of St Edmunds, Edward O'Connor, along with members of the drama department, Howard Sykes and Mark Sell. Thank you all for joining us on this episode of the podcast. It was great to hear all about the school and all about the drama department. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.